Nation now, Save South African Organization of Top South African Leaders, who've been backing the Finance Minister, member of the Organization Steering Committee, Lawson Naidu, joins us now on the line. A very good uh, evening to you, Mr. Naidu, and thank you very much for speaking to us. Uh, you must be no doubt um, uh, happy or encouraged by this decision. Well, we're encouraged by the decision because, you know, these, these charges stood no chance of succeeding in a court of law. And uh, from the clip that you've just played now, it's clear that, uh, you know, as Mr. Evans himself, that this matter could have been easily clarified. And why it has got to, do this, to this stage is beyond uh, our uh, imagination. And I think it really calls into question the, uh, the competence of both the Hawks and the National mm-hmm. Prosecuting Authority that they allowed such a simple matter to go this far to such detriment to the country as a whole and to our uh, global, uh, global investment status. It really is uh, acting recklessly, uh, recklessly in the extreme by the Hawks and the NPA. And to suggest that there is a responsibility on Mr. Pillay, Mr. Magashula and, and Mr. Gordon to prove their innocence uh, is, is, is again beyond uh, comprehension. Uh, it's the Hawks and the NPA that need to formulate the charge, and if they were not able to do so, then they have not been able to, they have not discharged their functions appropriately. Mm-hmm. And just on the point that you raised, um, I was intrigued by Mr. Abrams' uh, use of uh, the language as such, I quote, as such, I have directed the summons to be withdrawn. Um, he also says, I have decided to overrule the decision, suggesting to me some level of um, seniority in terms of the chain of command for this decision. But speaking to his spokesperson, he was adamant that this was not uh, Sean Abrams' purview. And I was rather confused by that, the fact that he says, I have decided to overrule. Is there some contradiction or, or, or am I missing something? Well, he has the uh, the authority to overrule in terms of the provisions of the Constitution, uh, but the point is that he should have applied his discretion much earlier. This is a high-profile case, uh, you know, that has a serious impact. So he could have, when he perused the docket in the first place, could have seen, hold on, you know, I need to look into this a little bit more deeply because this could have such a potential far-reaching consequences. And the fact that he did not apply his mind earlier before the summons was issued, I think really calls into question uh, the motive behind the uh, the issue of that summons in the first place. Mm. And uh, he used, I'm not sure if he was using it as an analogy or uh, a way of explanation, explaining his decision, but he referred to the Usury Act, and I'm wondering why. Is there any a direct tie to why he would refer to that? No, I mean, I think it was just a question of trying to uh, bamboozle and confound us with legal technicalities to to suggest that there was a complex legal process behind the, his decision to, to drop these charges. And we know that it, it was because they had blundered in the first place. He had to try and find a way of, of justifying his decision today to sort to confuse us with legal technicalities. But I don't think anyone thought that. This was a, 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 an embarrassing climb down by Mr. Abrams, called, which calls into question, as I say, his competence and his fitness to hold office. And it really ought to have been accompanied by his resignation. Just finally, what is your next move as Save South Africa? We, conti- we continue with our activities on Wednesday. The protests in Pretoria and across the country will, will continue because this is not just about the charges against Minister Gordon and the others. It is about the continuing uh, uh, efforts at state capture across uh, South Africa from Treasury to the institutions of government, such as the NPA. 
and we believe that we actually need to redouble our efforts now and we will take great comfort from this victory that we have today and we'll continue to uh, to campaign going forward. All right, thank you so much for speaking to us. Uh, that is Lawson Naidu, he's a member of... Uh, Save South Africa for legal analysis. Now we're on the line to Professor Pierre de Force, chairperson of the Claude Leon Foundation in Constitutional Governance at the University of Cape Town, constitutional expert and author of the blog, Constitutionally Speaking. A very good evening to you, uh, Prof. Thank you so much for speaking to us. I'm going to ask you to school us. Let's do Law 101 and also the acts that govern all of these institutions. What went wrong where? <laughs> That's a million dollar question. Um, I, the, the, the problem here is firstly, of course, that the Hawks, uh, in, in any criminal case, it is the police who investigates. They build the case, then they hand it over to the prosecuting authority. Prosecuting authority then decides whether there's enough evidence, and then they, if there is, they prosecute. In this case, two things happened. Firstly, the Hawks investigated all kinds of activities that are actually not criminal offences, uh, eventually settling on the question of, of fraud, but they never actually uh, bothered to find out whether there was any excuse. In other words, whether the minister and whoever um, were given any advice about um, uh, what they were doing was perfectly uh, legitimate and normal. If there was such evidence, then there's no case. At the time, uh, so they didn't look into this. Uh, the prosecuting authority completely overlooked this fact and they decided to prosecute, which they never should have done because on the evidence that they presented at the uh, press conference three weeks ago, there was actually no chance on that evidence that the minister was ever going to be prosecuted successfully. Um, so the only thing that went right here is that three weeks later they got cold feet and they have now, in terms of the legislation, the NPA Act, have now dropped the charges against the minister and to his two co-accused, obviously because this would never have been a successful prosecution. It wouldn't have been a successful prosecution on the evidence that they had three weeks ago. It would definitely not be a successful prosecution on the evidence. I'm wondering then, uh, Professor DeForce, there would obviously be different legal opinions on certain things. I I certainly hear that the lead prosecutor on this case was fairly confident that given the advice that he had, there was a solid case to answer. Uh, The SARS lawyer reportedly said that he doesn't, it would be against his moral compass to support this because uh, there's no legal uh, aptitude for this kind of case. So uh, what is the litmus test of saying here, and I know you talk about prima facie case, but what is the litmus test to say, look, here you're being ridiculous or you've got an airtight case, the only thing that could beat us is the defense? Well, you know, normally the, the, whether you win or lose a criminal case in court, it depends on the witnesses that, and evidence that you bring to the court. Because sometimes things happen. You think you have a watertight case, but your witnesses under cross-examination crumble, they, they have lied to you, whatever the case might be. That is perfectly normal. That's why you don't always win your case uh, as the prosecuting authorities. You go to court. But the problem here is, that on the evidence, even before they went to court, on the evidence they had, it was unclear at very least. Um, to some of us, it was actually quite clear that, that 
Now, you would never be able to prove that there was an intention here to commit the crime. And without anything like a smoking gun that proved that the minister and the other two co-accused were doing this to misrepresent and to defraud the state, something that they even before knew that they wouldn't be able to prove, it was going to be <laughs> very, very difficult from the start to be successful in this case. And I really don't know why they thought they would be successful. It doesn't really make sense to me. I'm sitting on the outside, but with the evidence that was given to us by the NPA, it doesn't really seem to make sense. Okay, now I need to ask you two questions. You talk about the string of witnesses, and I'm wondering why was there uh, ever a time when there was a thinking that... Uh, uh, Flock Symington could be a witness or um, at the same time a suspect? No, he was never a suspect. What happened was he was, was the lawyer for SARS who gave a legal opinion and said to the minister, what you are going to do in giving early retirement to Mr. Pillay, this is perfectly legal. There's nothing uh, technically legally wrong with this. This uh, he did already at the time when the early retirement was granted. This information was actually publicly known because Mr. Pillay, in his CCMA case, uh, submitted this evidence from Mr. Simington to that other legal proceeding. So it was a public document. Mm. Um, but for some reason, the Hawks and the prosecuting authority did not take heed of this document or they were not aware of this document. So for that reason, they still thought maybe, I think, that they could somehow conjure up uh, an a intention to commit fraud when this document, if there was any doubt ever, made it absolutely clear that there could not possibly have been intention on the part of the minister and the other two to commit fraud. So my final question is, um, if there's been a call for the General Counsel of the Bar to probe uh, Sean Abrams, what would they be looking for? What does the MPA Act say about somebody who is fit to hold office and what they can or cannot transgress in terms of the law? Well, the, what is obviously, in terms of the, in the NPA Act, uh, you can only you can be removed from office um, after there's an um, uh, inquiry into your fitness to hold office uh, that is appointed by the president and after the parliament has uh, confirmed this. And this is for various grounds. The two grounds that might be relevant is one for misconduct. In other words, you have a legal duty to do something, like you, you have a duty not to prosecute somebody if you know that the prosecution is not going to be successful, or if you're no longer a fitting proper person. That's usually when there's evidence that you were dishonest, that you lied, uh, that you made statements that are not true, and uh, that you misrepresented the facts, and so on. If there's evidence of this, obviously uh, there will be a, 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 a a strong indication that Mr. Abrams should be removed. One way of doing this is for the Bar Council, of course, to bring an application to the court and say Mr. Abrams is no longer fit and proper, but to prove, to prove that they will have to show that there's some kind of dishonesty um, that, that the, the person involved didn't act uh, in, an, in an honest and uh, uh, efficient manner. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sharing your insights with us.
Professor Pierre de Force is chairperson of the Claude Leon Foundation in Constitutional Governance at the University of Cape Town.